This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup. My name is Jack Donnelly and as the intro said, this is Energy Sports' longest running football show with our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion as we take a look at the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider footballing world. As always, I am joined by some of Napier's best and brightest, starting with the man of many clubs, Struan Garvey. How are you today, mate? I'm not bad. It's reading week, which should be a week off, but it's, it's going to be a bit of a busy week today. It's definitely hey, this week off, is it? <laughs> It's not a week off anymore. It was back in the first year. It was a good time. But um, yeah, it's nice and sunny here actually today. It's hey, you can shut off your bingo. Yeah, <laughs> it's weather report. Love it. Everybody tunes into the football roundup to to hear. So um, yeah, it's a nice day at the moment. The sun is shining. It's the same and thing. Shorts. You're in so, shorts. I'm in shorts. Very nice. Uh, it's very sunny down here as well. Actually, the sun's shining. A couple of clouds in the sky, but blue skies and sunshine is what we like to see at the end of February. Uh, you heard his voice there. Uh, Reading Week, as Trudan said, kind of gives us the full plethora of uh, football writers to choose from to come on today's show. And Sean McGill has made a, a, a long-awaited return to the show after after being imprisoned by a Monday Monday radio news class. So it's good to have you back, Sean. That is a good word choice there, Jack, imprisoned. <laughs> <laughs> that how it's felt this semester so far. It's just hard when you're at home and you've got radio news for four hours. It's it's a, it's a tough time. And a, but something that's been keeping me going is listening to the Football Roundup every week. So I'm delighted to be on it again. Well, we're delighted to have you. And we had, we've got another, it tend, tends to be a fairly common theme with Energy Sport Podcasts is a last minute inclusion. Uh, Mr. McIntosh was due to appear in this show, but because he wanted to go and spend time with his family, uh, he, he has decided to opt out. So with that, we, we have got a man who... With Jamie's refusal to come on, he is now inheriting Jamie's old title as the most lethal left foot in the in the roster at Energy. It's Mister Graham Sinclair. Arts. <laughs> he he is acting as the proxy Jambo on today's mm-hmm. podcast, aren't you? At the request of Jamie. Yep. Damn the Hearts fan. What was our score on Saturday? <laughs> uh, one all. You one all. all. I knew that. Just a wee bit of a late joke to <laughs> wee podcast banner. <laughs> Who scored for you? Uh, shit. It was a player. You're absolutely correct. It was a player. Uh, it, a, a, a walker, some might say. Mm, some might say that. Mm, I'm the quiz master. I was, asking, I was quizzing the, the group. You were. That, that, that is your other title, in case people were unaware of the, the quiz master of energy sport. But we're happy to have you here, as always. Thank you. And as always, again, we start our show with the big question. And normally I deliver them, but Struan brought one up this week, and and I would like him to deliver it and change change things up a bit more, get a bit more interaction from from the from the panel. So, Struan, would you like to pose your big question to the three of us right now? Yeah, I'll do that. Why not? It's a big occasion for me. Um, I hope I don't mess up. Right here we go. So the big question is: What is the best time of day to watch your team play in person, going to the game, and does it differ from watching them at home? Obviously, at the moment, with no crowds, you can't quite watch it the same. And that could be any day, basically, from your Friday to Sunday, or maybe be a weekday. 
if it's a bit different. And we'll start with Jack. We'll start with the host. We'll start with me. Ooh. Uh, oh, I'd actually go into a game. I, th- I think it's kind of better. Maybe like a seven forty-five kickoff. Personally, uh, you c- you kind of get the whole the whole day kind of building up of the atmosphere beforehand. You get you probably go out and get get some food with your mates. Get a few a few a few bevs into you, and then you go to the game under the lights, wherever you are, be it in Ayrshire, be it in Edinburgh, be it anywhere in the world. Uh, under the lights and it's it's no better thing than football under the lights on a, on a Saturday night or something like that and then you've got the trip home which is either usually really fun or really sad depending on how the result goes but in terms of watching it live from home I don't know I, I've kind of it's, it's all about the kind of social occasion for me like there's like I'll watch games on my own yeah but I feel like I enjoy football more when I'm watching it with a group of people and I t- kind of tend to do that when it's the bigger games, which are usually like a, a 4.30 kickoff or something like that. And I'd have my mates when round, we'd order some food in, we'd get some beers on the go. And then you'd usually have a game after that as well. So you've ha- you've got the game that you want to watch and then you've just got a wee extra on top of that as a later kickoff. So I, I-, I like a wee half-four kickoff and then... But on- only with a social occasion. Now I'm-, I'm just happy to see my team play whenever, to be honest. There's no real preference in a lockdown situation. Yeah, the Super Sunday is quite good, isn't it? When you get the bonus ones following up after. Absolutely. They're not as super, the bonus ones. They don't tend to be, but... The quality in England, for example, hasn't quite been super so far. No. But But what about Ed? What What about Mr McGill? Um, At the moment, I don't like watching football. Um, (laughs) So, not at all really, but... See... My thing with Saturday 3 o'clock is that I use, well, not really now because I work for Boyerick, but before that, I used to mainly work a Saturday. And so Saturday 3 o'clock was kind of a headache to me. That season where Kelly were really good and I knew that I needed to make the most of Kelly being really good because we're now in a situation now where we're about to get relegated. Um, So basically it was week to week scrambling, trying to get my shift covered on a Saturday so I could go to come on at games to make the most of our European charge. Um, so that was actually quite stressful. Um, so I quite like a Sunday game. I think that that can be good fun. And then if it goes wrong, Sundays are depressing anyway. That's what they're for. So um, you're kind of set up already. But I do agree with Jack. Watching football under the lights is always a good time, even though it usually involves quite a lot of travelling for me, which is means I'm a sleepy, sleepy boy. Um, and from home... Yeah, social occasions are usually great, probably later on when people are done with work and stuff like that. Uh, but just now you can't do that anyway, you can't get folk piled into the gaff, so... Football's rubbish, move on. Graham. <laughs> I think the answer for me, for both, it's half five on a Saturday. I think it gives you yeah. the best time to, if you're going to the game, to go out and get a drink. And you can probably have to get up at ten o'clock to get a have ten train to go be in like, a town for twelve you can actually go and you can pace it out over the day quite well and then you get to the game. So half five kick off, it's an even game, people are merry. And sometimes depending on the time of the year, it can become a game under the lights and we've discussed this before. A game under the lights is better than a game in the sun because it feels closer, the atmosphere's better. So for me that's both and then on oh and for me it's both because then you're watching on T V as well. I guess I like the half five game on a Saturday in the Premier League quite a lot. It's kind of just become. I think generally, kind of make sure that fixture is uh, Good one. Uh, one of the bigger one of the bigger ones. But I enjoy watching it. I think 
in on COVID time, it was a good one to watch with friends and have drinks in. Basically, everything around football times uh, is. They've all drinking. Like, what's the best time to go drinking and have the best drinking time? I'll echo that, yeah. That that does kind of tend to be my kind of reasoning for my, my times as well. Just kind of what gives the best social occasion more than anything else. You've always got as well, like if it's the half five one, you've normally got like a, like a something past two kick off just before that game kind of coming to a close as well, just stuck on in the background. Very true. Pretty sure. What's your stream? I think I think going to a game. I I like a three o'clock on a Saturday because I think you look forward to it on Friday night. There's enough time to get get a breakfast, get some get some beverages in, then the game, and then depending on the result, it's either you know it's either a good night or you can just drink a bit more. But I think I think at home I echo the half past five because I think it's, it's almost like I look forward to, it and it's sort of around like dinner time. You know, end of the day, you can just sit back, watch a game of football, and I think I think that's nice, especially at the moment where there is. Well, football is like a, an activity in the day now to watch at home. There we go. And that, that kind of wraps up big questions. Some of us like watching football, some of us don't. But it's always tends to be better when there's friends and alcohol involved. That's kind of the general consensus we've arrived at. Thank you, Struan. That, that very good big question from yourself. Got a good, good wee conversation going there. Uh, now we are going to kick off the show good and proper by taking our, our weekly look at the biggest action from up here in Scotland with chewing the football. So let's get going with this week's edition of Chewing the Football. It was a pretty big week in Scottish football as it always tends to be. Rangers are now seven points away from securing their first Premiership title in a decade, while things have gotten very interesting at the bottom of the pile. Uh, we're not really going to mention Rangers too much at all on this podcast. Our Hearts fan will be very glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, or so, but what one thing I do want to say that they've secured their placement in the Champions League qualifying round, at the very least, it's February. Struan, just how how impressive is that? Yeah, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Just how quickly they've been. I mean, I, I think Rangers have won every single game at Ibrox so far this season. Is that correct? They considered two goals. <laughs> doesn't count, does it? Ridiculous. It's 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 almost at the point now where you're you're almost getting sick of them. You're sick of like I'm complimenting not... them, aren't you? Of course you're not. You're a you're a Hearts fan. Why do you oh yeah, sorry. Well, still, it still applies. Hearts. Yeah, so it's 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 almost just like you're almost just sick of complimenting them now because it's it's all we've been able to do all season, and a cracking game in the Europa League as well. So um, yeah, blooming good team, blooming good team, blooming good team. Strange, do you know who's not a blooming good team? I could, I could, I could. It's your um, team because Celtic lost to Ross County again. Ah, oh, it was again. It, it was funny, wasn't it? Like it just was quite funny. I mean, not for Sean because there's that no, actually no had way implications on him. <laughs> Ross County winning that game, but that that was Ruben. then moving off the bottom up into tenth with a game in hand on Kelly in eleventh. Sean, Sean, from kind of your perspective of that end of the table, just how big a result is that for Ross County? We can go to the pub again soon. Yeah, we can. <laughs> You're, you're trying to focus on all the positives because we're currently experiencing the news from Boris Johnson's uh, road at a lockdown. 
and he's decided that June just coronavirus doesn't exist. So that that's got us excited. But Sean, Sean, how good? How is that big for Ross County? I. Do you know what normally gets me excited? What does? Is Celtic making a tit themselves. Yeah. I usually thoroughly enjoy that, and I have done for the majority of the season. Not last night. I found that quite frustrating, um, considering that um, Ross County are one of the sides in the relegation battle alongside Kilmarnock. Um, so I will get on to praising Ross County, but I'd like to talk about Celtic because they did quite the impressive thing of simultaneously being wasteful of their chances, but also being blunt in attack, which I think is pretty good. The fact that you can spurn chances, but also seem like you're not creating them is quite yeah. a good sort of paradox for Celtic to have. Um, Ryan Christie missed an absolute sitter, <laughs> <laughs> which I shouted at my telly for, because I was like, that's going to come back to bite them. And then it did. Um, it didn't help that for the goal they put, um, little girl with her braided hair lacks out up against <laughs> seven foot Jordan White. That's some laugh from uh, Gavin Strachan and his iPad, that one. Oh, I massively. But, I mean... To be fair to Ross County, John Hughes did his uh, pre-match interview and just spelled out his tactics that they weren't going to press them too high because they'd get caught out. They were mm. going to sit in, try and catch them on the break, um, but also try and play a, a bit of football as well. And sometimes them playing football almost got them caught out. Um, Celtic weren't clinical enough in punishing them for that, but at other times it worked. And I think Jordan White did a fantastic shift up top for the Staggies. And it's an absolutely huge one for them. It takes them above Hamilton and Kelly outside the relegation mm. spaces now with the game in hand over Kilmarnock. So um, John Hughes was saying after the game that it's kind of frustrating how they seem to do it against the big teams. They beat Celtic, they beat uh, Hibs, big team, uh, uh, Aberdeen, they beat them all since John Hughes came in, but they are sort of coming unstuck against the smaller sides. So I hope that continues as we head into the split, but a big, big win for Ross County. Big win for Ross County, a big result in terms of Celtic's very, very slim title chances, which have basically eradicated them completely if they weren't already in the mud to begin with. Struan, Neil Lennon in his post-match interview, he apologised, but he looked a man incredibly undisturbed for just having basically shot himself in the foot for even contesting for the title. <laughs> what what did you make of Lennon? Because, I mean, there were just a picture circulating of him with just like a fairly cheery smile on his face while he was chatting to the press after the game. I made, I made the joke a, a few minutes ago about making the whole, there's no way Lennon survives this, and it's, it, it just does, doesn't it? I, I think even he knows himself at the moment he's got this season. I just I just don't know how he can react at this point, to be honest. It's been an absolute disaster. So I think he said as well they deserved to win last night. I mean, as Sean said, if you put if you put Laxalt and Jordan White, you don't deserve to lose. Uh, deserve to win rather sorry I think set pieces have just been an issue for Celtic all season as well. yeah absolutely it's just, it's just the same issues and that, that, that's what I really I really hate about certain teams as well it's when the same mistakes and the same goals consistently happen throughout the season and they're clearly just not being worked on properly and I think it's just a really bad look for them at the moment well that kind of sums up everything that we were wanting to talk about with that game I don't, I don't know Graham if you had anything you wanted to uh, chuck in before we moved on yeah what, what I kind of had my overriding thought for the game was normally when the smaller sides in the league play Rangers or Celtic is just the the weak side has to play their best and then Celtic Rangers had to play the worst. But I don't think that was the case yesterday. I don't think actually Ross County were quite poor for the first half at least. They away the ball so many times and like their like their 
their defensive third and Celtic had so many opportunities in this game to easily win and they just didn't do it which I think mostly for me I think the takeaway from that is that it's an indictment in how poor the Celtic side are if they don't get a, a long range shot from Turnbull or a moment of magic from Watson Edward then really they're not a good team Just I, know, I, guess, I guess we know that but like, really not a good team that is a definite concern. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how they go on from this season, I suppose. And just yeah, if kind of... they, they lose Edward, like, and, but given their recruitment record, then it's, <laughs> it's not looking bright. No, definitely not. There's another team that it's not looking very bright for at the moment. And part the, the kind of diplomat in me is almost a bit kind of apologetic for mentioning it, but the air fan in me is very glad to be mentioning that Kelly are in a bit of trouble, aren't they? Uh, lost 1-0 away to Aberdeen. Aberdeen have actually scored a goal for the first time in seven games. Uh, Callum Hendry came off the bench scoring with his first touch uh, to get his first goal for the Dons after arriving in January uh, and it put Kelly into even more trouble down the bottom. Now, Sean, I'm actually quite happy you've joined us for this. Uh, you, Same! You'd, you'd be quite <laughs> surprised to hear. But we've not really had the chance to speak to you about Tommy Wright on this show. So, I mean... We've kind of see, seen kind of how Kelly have kind of adapted under him. It's not been great, but what did, what did you make of this game in particular and just kind of chances, I suppose, that Kelly have now? I don't know. Well, people are... A lot of people have said the appointment of Tommy Wright hasn't had an effect as of yet, and I think that's harsh considering that uh, the first game was against Motherwell, which Kelly played really, really well and uh, still didn't create enough clear-cut chances and were cut out, uh, sort of uh, found out by a a goal on the counter, so yeah, that's a bit disappointing, especially against your relegation rivals, but the performance was a lot better. The next game was at Ibrox, and no, no games are sort of definite write-offs, especially when, a, when you're in a situation like this, but I think you've got to say with Rangers form this season and their home record, you're probably expected to lose that one. Could have put up a bit more of a fight, that would have been nice, but it was at the end of the day, it was a wonder goal that beat them in that one, and then, yes, Aberdeen are in disarray, but... Come on, like have an absolutely horrendous record against Aberdeen. I didn't realise it was this bad, but that's now one win in their last thirty-one games against Aberdeen, which is mental. Like, there shouldn't be that much between Kelly and Aberdeen, so I don't understand what's going on there. So I think that's harsh on Tommy Wright overall. I think that he, you can see already the problem. A lot of people's problem with Alex Dyer was when things were going badly, he still wouldn't change anything. It'd be the exact same, and now. Tommy Wright wasn't happy at halftime, he knew we needed to try and get something from that game, so he changes the system, he makes two changes at halftime, brings on Kyle Lafferty for his debut, who some Kelly fans were given man of the match to in that game, because it might have just been deprived from a decent striker all season, but he got himself about, he's not playing much football, but he's bringing the, his touch was really good, he was bringing other people into the game, he was sort of get, put himself about, uh, trying to get on the end of crosses, which were very poor from the wide areas, and the three-five-two formation seemed to work. I don't know if he'll stick with it. I think probably just getting Greg Kilty as close to Kyle Lafferty um, in a four-two-three-one might be the best option going forward because then you can still have the likes of Chris Burke and Rory McKenzie in your system. Um, but it is really bad for Kilmarnock at the moment. Um, I read today that they're on the longest current losing run in top-flight European football. So wow. right right now across Europe, there's no worse team than Kilmarnock uh, statistically, which is great to to read. Um, and they've spent 28 years in the top division uh, only Celtic, Aberdeen and Motherwell have got a longer uh, unbroken stint in the top flight I don't know where uh, Rangers are or that one or Hibs for that matter of fact um, 
So I, it would be a shame to see Kilmarnock get relegated, but they're in for a dogfight. Do you think it's a dogfight that they can get out of? Aye, I think they can. I don't think, no, I'm not saying that they will. Uh, I think <laughs> that uh, Motherwell, their poor results mean they're still in it, albeit they've got the best, they've got, they're four points above Kelly with a game in hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll need to, but Kelly play Motherwell twice over the next eight games, so yeah. a chances to get back on that. And that's the thing with the split, as much as it gets slagged off sometimes, it's going to be a massively exciting end to the season with those four teams all playing against each other pretty much every week, chucking uh, St Johnston and Dundee United as well probably. Uh, so it'll be interesting, but the fact that they haven't come on and have lost their last eight games, they're going to have to win, I'd say, at least half of the remaining eight to stay in the division. Uh, let's let's have some kind of outside thoughts just on Kelly. I mean, Graham, you said a few weeks ago on the on the roundup that you didn't think Kelly would go down just because they had a much better squad than some of the teams around them. Do you still still think that's the case now? Um, yeah, I think I do have to stick by it, but I do think there's this kind of ability, a bit of kind of thing at the Kelly right now that they just when I look at them compared to Hamilton and Ross County, I think Kelly play the wash football. I think they are the worst footballing side in the league right now, mm. which is strange. Cause I do, th- I do still believe that they have enough talented players in that squad, and they do have a talent edge over Hamilton and County. Because at the moment, I'm still counting Motherwell as being safe, even though they technically are still in it after some bad results. But like, a player like I don't think Kelly, yeah, sorry, Aki's or County have a player like Malumbu or a player like Kelty. But having said that, for some reason Kelly just can't. Maybe Sean can enlighten me on this. Why? Some reason Kelly just don't seem to be able to play proper football. Whereas when I've seen Hamilton and North County this season at times, they've actually impressed me going forward. Mm-hmm. And Kelly just haven't done that. I would say that, and since Wright has come in, I know it's their tough games, but there does seem to be more of an emphasis on playing football. The Motherwell game was a genuinely good performance from Kelly. I think it was something like 40 crosses into the box, which were met, Jesus. I think it was three times, three or four times by a Kelly head, which is obviously massive disappo- massive disappointment. I think it was why they got a player like Kyle Lafferty in. Um, so, I don't know if they can play like that, but then d- d- it, that's not a great tactic because it just load the box, especially in these games, these relegation games, you want to have more than that. So, mm. uh, Greg Kelty didn't start on... Uh, Saturday it was a weird team selection but I would think that Kyle Lafferty and Greg Kelty are our best chance out of this and you've got like like you said talented players behind them Malumbu Gary Dicker Alan Power Alan Tishbowl are all very good central midfield players especially for, well, they're good bottom of six premiership uh, yeah. players Chris Burke as well has had a pretty good season so there's the quality there on on paper it's, they've got the best squad to get out of it um, but that needs to click in the next few weeks and something Sean kind of briefly mentioned about County County have actually been excellent into big sides, but have struggled against the wee sides. Whereas Kelly, I think, just aren't going to contend with the big sides. I don't think they're just too negative against those teams. Whereas County and Hamilton just kind of went, screw it, we get beat 5 0, we get beat 5 0. Whereas Kelly will just sit in, sit in. Whereas against sides at their own level, I think Kelly's squad quality will shine through in the mm. end. I'm still backing them to stay up, but less confident than I was a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, do we do we almost just kind of hope they go down for the part of it now? Because I mean, I mean, we we just <laughs> keep speaking about it, and you you just think of and with the news that we're getting today that fans are getting back into stadiums a lot sooner than we were predicting. You, Graham could have painted the picture. You can just imagine it. First game of the championship season next uh, in 2020, 2021, 22, 
uh, Friday night, Somerset Park, Air United versus Kilmarnock. That that's energy sport night out written all over it, lads. Very apt that the seagulls uh, started chirping when. That that's just a passion, the passion of the crowd, lads. Yeah, I'm that committed to the content that I'm going to come on to getting relegated now. I just think that it would, the it would be The content would be outstanding sport. because you would It'd all get to see me sport. depressed in my hometown because we'd probably lose. Everyone's on, everyone calls Hamilton when they drop out don't flush, but I would much rather see Hamilton stay in the league than Kelly. Mostly to make fun of Sean, but just from a yeah. pure footballing entertainment yeah. standpoint, I think Kelly are the easiest loss. Well, we'll move on from Kelly and we'll talk about Struan's other team in the league. Uh, Aberdeen winning, obviously, uh, could could have kind of put them into a better position in terms of getting third, but Hibs managed to maintain the gap between themselves and the Dons with a home victory against 10-man Hamilton. Uh, Struan, it ended up being quite a spirited performance from Aki's. I mean, um, Brian Rice came out before the game and said, look, we're going to have a go. Like, home and away, we're going to have a go. And have a go they did. They kind of had a decent couple of chances early on. But then they had the red card, which they are appealing now. I think they, they, they've announced that they are going to appeal it. But I don't know, from the Aki's point of view, it seemed indicative of a team that are willing to fight to get themselves out of a tricky situation. So were you quite satisfied to see Hibs uh, get the result, considering how kind of up for it Aki's seemed? Yeah, I think it was a very good result. Hibs just weren't taking the chances throughout the game. It's been a bit of a team this season. The missed penalty as well. I just At the time, I was very scared I was going to come back to haunt. I think Hamlin were unlucky though. I, I don't think it was a red card. I think that would be successfully over, uh, appealed, overturned. That word. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they'll be okay with that. It's just one of them where it's it's just such a quick speed. You know, it's the trailing leg that takes him down, mm-hmm. and then the penalty I think was quite soft as well. But Hebs were able to close it out and on a pretty pretty good winning run at the moment. But I, I, I was impressed with Hamilton to be fair. They, they definitely were up for it, and I think that's good to see, especially at the bottom. Well, another impressive player in this game was uh, Josh Doig, who scored his first senior goal for the club in what's been a really breakout season for him. Uh, and he's kind of been identified as met with size because it's another fairly decent young left back that Scottish have. Uh, the Scottish have the, the, the Scottish national team could potentially have on their books. Uh, how 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 have you kind of viewed Josh Doig this season, Struan? Like, he's probably been a standout player for Hibs as a whole, not just. Uh, not just the kind of attacking players from defence, he's probably been the standout. I think the best, like, just the quickest and best way, I think, to sum up is he's benched Lewis Stevenson, which over the last decade has been an incredibly tough job for anybody coming in, and he's done it there. He plays well in the back five. When he's out as a wing-back, he plays well in the back four. You know, he's only 18 as well. He's, it's, just, it's just great to see a young player coming through and just doing so well in the Premier League, just taking to it so easily as well. No, absolutely. Uh, right, uh, we'll move on. Uh, elsewhere, Motherwell, down in the, down the relegation kind of contenders, I suppose you could say, definitely that half of the split. Uh, they lost yet again. Uh, aggregate of the last two games is now 7-1 in terms of <laughs> losing. They've conceded 7 only scored 1. And have lost both. They lost a 3-0 game at home to St. Johnston. A massive result for the Saints, especially considering the confidence that that's going to build ahead of this Sunday's Scottish League Cup final. Uh, Sean, St. Johnson haven't actually lost to a team that isn't one of the old firm since Boxing Day. And even then, that was Aberdeen when they were all right. How do you think this result's going to play into kind of them going into this game on Sunday? Do you think they're going to be full of confidence with this, or do you think they're going to just take it as a one-off occasion? 
Yeah, I just think in a cup final, I mean, you've not got obviously the atmosphere that you would have, but mm. I just think that it's such a cliche, but form does go out the window. I think that I was kind of the opinion that whoever won the league, league fixture a few weeks ago was going to lose the cup final. Right. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I think that St Johnson going in form, Livy maybe sort of biding their time, uh, knowing that they've got this massive opportunity. Um, so I, I'll see a Livingston win the cup final. A Livingston win in the cup final. It was a view from the Terrace's favourite striker, obviously Guy Melamed scoring two of St Johnson's goals. First one being an absolute beauty, curler from outside the box. Uh, I, I don't know, they're, they're, Motherwell, they're, they're, in, they're in dark kind of times just now, Graham. Uh, they've got a game in hand that they need to play on Wednesday uh, away at St Mirren. If they lose that, County could then leapfrog them and go into, go into ninth and really kind of put them in it in terms of down there. So, I mean, should Graham Alexander be worried? I mean, I know you're kind of of the, of the mind that Motherwell don't really need to have much cause for concern, but on paper, it, it's a difficult time for them just now. Yeah, it is, and I'm very surprised, to be honest with you. I thought they'd really turned the corner on their Alexander. They had a really promising start, and I thought it looked, looked as though they were looking more like the Motherwell of last year. So to see the last two results are just like completely bewildering to me. I mean, last week they had a red card early on, which kind of ended all hopes of that game, but on Saturday there was no red card early on. It was just they were outplayed and outclassed by a St Johnson team and that'll be the most worrying thing for Graham Alexander and his team mm. it wasn't the fact that things were going to get they just it seems like one bad result against Hamilton and they're back to where they were under Robinson which eventually obviously, obviously led to him getting sacked and even though they were probably still comfortably favourites to not go down in the relegation battle even having to look even having to look over your shoulder is yeah. cause for concern no absolutely and just before we round up to in the football for this week, we'll just have a quick dip into the championship to see the action that happened in the second tier. Uh, Hearts drew at Tyne Castle against uh, Morton. It was a very nice goal from an old school colleague of mine, Craig McGuffey, that opened the scoring for Morton. Uh, but Jamie Walker scored his 50th goal in a maroon shirt to level the game. Uh, Jamie did request that standing Jambo, Graham Sinclair, was to just boo throughout the entire time that we were talking about Hearts, but he's neglected to do so. That's absolutely fine. <clears throat> boo. There it is. Lovely. <laughs> that kind of sums up uh, what happened with Hearts. If you want to kind of full depiction of what happened, you can check out Jamie's match report over on the site. You can also check out mine on the air game, where air just looks entirely flat and uninspiring against Inverness as they lost their second home game in as many games. Uh, Jamie's prediction that Air would not lose another home game this season swiftly out the window thanks to torrid conditions and just uninspiring football. Uh, dropped us from 4th to ninth, which was funny, I suppose, down, down in ninth place in the Championship after being in, in amongst the kind of chasers at the top. But there still are only three points separating 5th uh, and ninth, only four separating 4th and ninth. So the Championship is just ridiculous just now in terms of who finishes where. Uh, Queen, Queen of the South actually overtook Dundee with a 3-2 victory and our both beat Wraith at home 1-0. So there is just no consistency and no idea what the hell happens in the championship going forward. It's all fun and games though. Can't wait for the fun and games next year, my man. It's going to be good, mate, isn't it? Like, this is, this is what I keep saying. Championship is the best league in the world, mate. And, and I'm just happy to be a part of it, to be honest. Can't wait. 
Uh, that wraps up this week's edition of Chewing the Football. Graham's going to hate me for it, but we do need to move down south now to take a look at this weekend's English entertainment. Can I hate you too? You, you can. Well, I mean, I th- I'll cool. just assume you already did. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. One out of three isn't terrible. What well, we'll take it. Right, we'll be back shortly. And English Entertainment is our weekly look into the biggest news of the Premier League. And despite there not being a title race anymore, the rest of the top four is still a lot to play for, while relegation isn't completely set in stone. Graham, I hate, I hate to do it again, but we do have to talk about Liverpool. Uh, it's an earlier Charleston goal and a late penalty from Gilfie Sigurdsson to give Everton their first win in the Merseyside Derby since 2010 and their first win at Anfield since 1999. Now, I only managed to catch the second half of this game, so I can't have like a full view of it. But it just didn't look massively entertaining. Like There wasn't like much from either to either of the sides. I mean, Liverpool probably had better ch- more of the, more chances in the second half but didn't do anything with them. But I don't know. That, that was just like a 45-minute view of the game. Graham, how, how did you view it for the whole 90? Uh, once with Charles and score, which was early, early on, uh, to me, that was game. Liverpool haven't shown the ability to break down a team and once Everton scored they were just happy to sit in and then play on the counter and to be honest with you Everton should have scored more goals in that game too. there was a ridiculous penalty in that game but it didn't mm. matter because Everton were clearly the better team in the game had a game plan that worked from the start and Liverpool just never ever looked like they were going to get back in that one which is Horrible because just this is a massive a record against a big club uh, or rivals that mm. they've held on to for thirty years. It's made they've been able to laugh at everything and that's gone now. I mean, what what do you think it was? Like, what what do you think has happened to Liverpool just recently? Like, uh, I think you have to, uh, injuries are definitely a part of it. Yeah, but injuries. There's people that will say that Liverpool, like this is the only reason Liverpool are the same, but it's not. The only reason Liverpool are not bad because solely because of injuries, they have been found out going forward. They have Klopp continues to play the same system, the four two three, the narrow four two three with the wing, with the fullbacks get around Salah and Mane, and then they play either they cross it in the box or they play the neat stuff around the box. They stopped working this season completely, and Klopp hasn't made any attempt yet to change the system. I would like to see a four two three one when Diego Diego Jota's back. Mm. And push Firmino back. It's Firmino, and Firmino at the moment is just a player that if he has the ball and he's shooting, I have no confidence he's ever going to score a goal. But if you move them back a little bit and we can still use a creator for Jota, for Manny and Salah, I think Liverpool would probably look better in attack. I even think you could do it. With, I think you can move Curtis Jones up further forward. I think you could do it with Nadikita if he can get fit. But at the moment, you can't play Firmino up front because he's just not, just not a goal scorer. He's not a threat. Mm-hmm. And. Firmino's form has kind of overshadowed how bad Sadio Mane has been this season. He looks a shell of his former self, and I just that's I, that's just form to me. I don't I, I don't have an explanation for why Sadio Mane could be performing below his expectations. But on the front three, only Mo Salah is performing as he should have been. He's having a fantastic season, and that's pretty much the case across the board. I mean, I don't think Robertson's having as good a season. Trent, Trent, it's well documented. Trent's not having as good a season. Mm-hmm. Thiago was disappointed when I thought Thiago came in Liverpool would uh, kick on and would go yeah. to win the league quite comfortably but that's not happened Thiago's been a bit of a mishit so far I'm still I still think he'll come good once 
players come back in their mm-hmm. proper positions. But just across the board, it's been underperforming from the players, and then there's not been enough change from the manager to suggest that a change in form is coming. Struan, looking at the other side of the coin, what, what do we make at Everton after this game? Because they started with Calvert-Lewin on the bench and they actually got a reward from it because Richardson got his goal kind of through the middle. But again, I, I just don't know what it is about Everton. Like, they don't sing true to me as properly proper top four contenders. Like, But in games, games like that, they just looked fantastic. Like, do you, do you think Ancelotti still just needs to iron out just those inconsistencies? In, inconsistencies sorry to be able for Everton to truly like gain a status as top four contenders or do you think it's just kind of history and kind of recent seasons gone by are just going to stick with them as just kind of there are, there are thereabouts? I think they're definitely improving. I think Ancelotti's done an absolutely fantastic job. I, I rate him so highly as a manager, but I, I personally still think Everton are two or three players away from really being consistent in that top four debate. They could easily make it this season with inconsistencies, you know, so hard to predict anything other than the title around that sort of area in mm-hmm. the table. But I, I, I still think there are a few t- um, players away. As good as Hamas Rodriguez is, I'm still not sure he, you can call him consistent. He's had quite a few injuries here or there. Calvert-Lewin, I don't know how long he's necessarily going to stay around for. And I, but I think the main issue for me is still that defence. I think Godfrey's fantastic. Dinya's a pretty good attacking fullback. Coleman's good. I think Pickford is very overrated as a goalkeeper. Yeri Mina, I'm not a big fan of his at all, to be honest. And I think I think they miss Allen in that defence. I think that midfield is there's a bit of a drop off from the really good players in that to the to the sort of second string. And but it's it's nice to see Everton doing well. And obviously, it's an absolutely the biggest win of their season for the biggest win in their club for years, to be honest, against Liverpool there. All right, we'll move we'll move on quickly and we'll take a look at another derby that took place and went the way of you would say the smaller club, but based on this season, the much, much better team. Uh West Ham winning two one at home against Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs are bad. Not really much else to say about that. Uh Struan, I'd imagine you're gonna have your opinion on Mourinho based on this game, uh, if you if you want to get them out in the air now. I, I, do you know what I don't? I just I think people are almost sick at this point now of as as Jose finished. You know, I was I was making a joke in the chat or like Jose out. I've not said that in about three years, but it, it's it's really bad for Tottenham at the moment. It really isn't good. I I, I don't really. It's just it's just errors you don't expect to see from Jose teams. You know, poor defending, bad marking, and you just sort of think mm. you know this is this is Jose Mourinho. You know, if anything, it should be bad going forward. But they're they're absolutely atrocious at the back. A lot of the summer signings and sort of players who were great at the start of the season, the likes of Eric Dyer, I thought was really good at the start of the season. He seems to have completely fallen away. Hugo Lloris is in a really bad patch right now at the moment. It, it just sort of seems the only three players who can be consistently relied upon are Hoybier, Kane and Son. Hmm. And even, even Gareth Bale has been basically doing nothing. You know, he looked quite good against West Ham in the week cameo, but other than that, it was just unimpressive at the moment. And I just, I just don't really know what Spurs do from here. I don't know what their ambition is under Jose, if it's is the League Cup, is that going to be their season, how well they can do in the Europa League, you know, can they get top four? It's just it's just very much in there. And given how well they did under Pochettino, consistent top four, a Champions League final, you look at the backing Jose's had in the past summer, you just sort of think, you know, it, they're regressing. It's, it, it looks crazy at the moment. 
And it's not really but, looking yes, to get much. Really it's not really looking to get much better either. I mean, it was just to date. It's an aging squad. I, I, I would imagine Hurricane wants out of this. I think this is probably the last summer in which Hurricane can actually get a move. He'll be twenty-eight. He, he's, he's obviously a top-class striker. But my, in my opinion, he's the best one in the league at the moment. But obviously, bad injuries. He's twenty-eight. I think it's a hundred fifty million price tag they're going to be quoting for him. I don't know if that can be lowered if he really does force the move. But I think he's got to be looking at it, thinking, you know, this is his last chance. Can he win anything? Jongman Son's 29 this year as well. Will he necessarily be content as well with staying in that team? And I think just just a lot of sort of th- those Pochettino players of that era, the likes of Alder, Viral, Sissoko, Danny Rose, basically just sort of leaving, being frozen out of that team as well. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just changing at a rapid rate, and I don't really think it's getting any better. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem to be, especially it was yesterday, Mourinho said, uh, just reported on the BBC, Spurs have problems that I cannot resolve but we are not in crisis. That just isn't a positive-sounding uh, message to send. That, that, that There's problems going on, and I can't fix them. That that just doesn't scream like a manager who is happy in this situation, and I think if he's not happy in this situation, results are just not going to come, and things are not going to get better. I'm not sure how he can't be happy. He, he quoted right at the start, and it's in the, uh, in the documentary on Amazon Prime, that the, he says the team that he inherited at Tottenham was better than the Man United one he had. And he was able to get that team second and won a couple of smaller trophies with them. And he's added a lot of players. He's probably one of the most backed managers in the previous summers with the transfer window. Mm. And they just don't seem to be doing anything. Players like Dele Alli are just not even relevant at this point in time. Whereas, you know, a few years ago, he was the best youngster in, in England. You know, he was getting compared to the likes of Lampard and Gerard Scholes. But now he's just completely fallen away. Gareth Bale, I actually thought he would have been a half-decent signing in the summer, to be honest. I thought yeah, the idea of that. that front three... With uh, Kane, Son and Bale, I thought, you know, that, that could be pretty crazy. You know, Bale, Bale's good for Wales, maybe he'll step up again. And it's just, it just doesn't look like a lot of the players can be bothered playing there. I mean, I'm sure Harry Kane, although he is scoring a lot of goals, he's getting a lot of assists. I'm sure he's not really enjoying having to defend inside of his own six-yard box half Absolutely the time. Not. And probably knows himself as well how important he is to that team. That and was, it, was it two games he was missing? The one against Chelsea and the one in Liverpool where he got injured at halftime? And they just looked absolutely terrible without them. They just yeah. didn't look like they had a plan or anything at all. No, absolutely. And we don't want to spend too long uh, criticising Tottenham because that would kind of detract from what a good West Ham performance this was. I mean, Sean, they just could have seemed to defy expectation this season. And Jesse Lingard has been almost an inspired signing, which you never thought you would ever hear that in the Premier League in 2021, that David Moyes has signed Jesse Lingard. And it's working. Jason Lingard's awareness of cameras is very impressive. He seems to know where to. James Madison as well. He always knows. Like as soon as he scores a goal, he knows exactly where to go. It's quite an impressive talent. I commend them both for it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I got West Ham very wrong. They they were in my bottom three at the start of the season. I mm. thought that they narrowly avoided it last season. I thought David Moyes was done as a manager. Thought the squad was uninspiring. They didn't uh, really make any signings before the season started. I didn't know who Thomas Suchek was, um, and I just thought that was kind of like a club in decline, and they just weren't going to be able to sort of outrun relegation this season. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's completely turned on its head. They're a, a bona fide European contender, and it'd be a great story. And I think that, um, like I said, David Moyes has been written off and. Uh, people might forget the fantastic job he did at Everton considering what came after that. So yeah. it's good for him uh, that he's rebuilding his reputation. And, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of West Ham as a football club, but they are a, a big team with sort of obviously the big stadium, big ambitions. So 
a, a sort of good West Ham uh, improves the quality of the, the Premier League as a whole, I think. So, good for them. Good for them. Where do we think they finish? I mean, bona fide European contenders, I would say so. But yeah. d- d- does that um, mean Europa League? Does that mean Champions League? European Conference League, if that's a thing in England? It is. Um, I can't. So Seventh, I think, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so they're fourth just now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Chelsea should go above them. Liverpool should go above them. I think Everton are a better team than them. I think Villa are probably a better team than West Ham as well. Um, but they've got the most points on the board at the moment. So, mm. yeah, I think seventh is probably a good shout. I could, I, and that I would be enough for it, Conference yeah. League, I think. I would, yeah. I think there, there's kind of mitigating circumstances with the Cups in England and like who, who goes where in terms of what European competition. But I think at the minimum, or at the maximum at least, there are seven available European slots in the league. So I could definitely see West Ham at least getting one of them. Uh, I think the only, only other thing I'd have to say from that game, Declan Rice probably learned, needs to learn how to play the drums. That That's the only other thing that's I would celebration. say. <laughs> I was, it was an interesting celebration. It's not, not one I've seen before. Uh, can't imagine Roy Keane would have been too happy with it, but we're not Roy Keane. I thought it was quite funny. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a massive weekend in, in England. Leicester got a good result in terms of kind of maintaining top four, uh, two one away at Villa. Harvey Barnes, Graham, I know you were kind of singing his praises a bit more in the group chat. He's kind of seems to be nailed on to be a fantastic player. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, Have you not, played for yeah. Bayern or Frankfurt or Milan or Inter Milan. No, I yeah. Hate, I hate to sound like Nigel Farage, but we need to talk about Europe. So I don't we know do. if we just. No, we will. Yeah. I, and the only other I am under protest until we talk about the European football now. That's fine. No, that's fine. Uh, Brexit means fuck Brexit, the, okay? Fuck so. the Premier League. <laughs> I echo that sentiment. I'm with Jamie. Uh, Jamie? Oh, sorry. I'm confusing. You're doing such a good job of being a hard fan. You're doing such a good job of being a hard fan. Actually, not even by choice. I'm actually wearing a maroon t shirt. Are you? <laughs> got a nice maroon Vans t-shirt on maybe I should do that should does the weather I'll just talk to people about what I'm wearing every time I come everyone's on. got a niche everyone has to have the a weather. niche for coming on this show <laughs> we get the weather we're strewing Graham's our outfit update of the day <laughs> Sean we need to come up with one for you just a load of shite really you can be you can be like positive well not in terms of actually testing but positive Covid no. man I've been. I'm put mind Scotland. I've been building up to the playoffs. I'm just a a ray of positivity. Me. You 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 can bring like a positive story every time you come on the every time you come on the podcast. That sounds good. Some of the just been crashed into my car there. So right. <laughs> on his bike. You're positive of that. I'm sure. I'm positive of that. There we go. Uh, only other thing that happened: Fulham won one nil and could potentially stay up because Newcastle and Crystal Palace are both very bad. Fulham, Newcastle, last day of the season. Seems. According to Boris Johnson's route map, there could be 10,000 oh. fans in the stadium for that. Where is it? Give me it. Craven I don't Cottage. know. Is it Craven Cottage? Craven... Oh, yeah. oh that's disappointing. That, uh, <laughs> James Park would have been a lot better. All enthusiasm has gone. <laughs> uh, Craven Cottage is a great stadium. In fact, it, isn't, it will be against once they finally finish Get the scaffolding down. Stop playing at the back of somebody's house. It's, it's a great wee stadium, especially for 10,000. obviously. 10,000 will be like a wee hotbed, eh? 10,000 in a smaller stadium. Than you a wee hotbed? That's not the word to use during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Super spreader. Super spreader. Alexander Mitrovic. <laughs> oh, he missed a penalty. He's very funny. That that is the positive <laughs> sentiment of the day. Alexander Mitrovic missed a penalty and relaxed. Europe, Europe, Europe. <laughs> we're talking about Europe. We're going to get on to last ditch challenge if these boys will just let me segue out of it. 
Lovely. That that is going to do it for England. We we don't have anything else to say. Man City and Arsenal very boring. No one cares. Uh, we'll close out the show now with a look back over Europe's biggest stories to the to the delight of the panel today. And last out's challenge. So this is Last Ditch Challenge where we try to catch all of the biggest stories from around the continent before they pass us by. And it's been a big week all around the, all, all, all around the continent. There's been so much football happening. The, the boys are so eager to talk about it all. We're, we're in hysterics when we've been splitting up, splitting up the segments because Sean's been chanting for Europe. It, it's, been, it's been fantastic. So, Sean, what do you want to talk about in, in Last Ditch Challenge this week? Was there any game in particular you wanted to mention? Uh, thanks, Jack. I'd like to talk about the Derby della Maddalena. It's a Milan uh, Derby for those who don't know Italian. For those who aren't fluent in Italian like me. Um, <laughs> yes. I, Give us your I'm, analysis in full Italian then, if you're fluent. I, I don't want to alienate listeners, Jack. This is that, like, yeah, okay, I know yeah. we've got a wide, wide-ranging uh, audience on energy sport, do. but I don't want to take it too far. It's a bit, a bit, a bit pretentious if I did that, Jack. Um, but what I would like to talk about is how fantastic Inter Milan were and how they are now my comfortable favourites to win Serie A this season. Um, I think that Lukaku is one of the best, the top five strikers in the world. I'd like to read an article about why Manchester United threw him away. Where, Where could you it? find that? Someone jump in and save that dwindling hope of finding an article like that. Plug. Where can you find that article, re- Struan, for God's sake? Re- Do the plug, don't just say plug. <laughs> I say plug when we've not plugged it in. I'm building it up. Do you know what I did? I did a really cringy hand motion, like motion with my hand. I was like, I was pretending I was plugging something. Plug the article. article in energy sport. Plug the article. <laughs> Man, keep students at his lunch. Like, give him a break. <laughs> it's five ten. It's to five. I'm, I'm running on fumes at this point. Um, yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote words about Lukaku and stuff on energy sport. And it was Thank very you. good. Give it views. Give Lovely. it love. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a bold decision from Conte to no, well, um, Conte to go with uh, Christian Eriksen over Arturo Vidal, considering that Vidal is kind of Conte's leader on the pitch. He's the one who uh, he kind of embodies everything that Conte wants from his team. He wants them to be technically good, but also full of passion, full of work rate. And Arturo Vidal is a bit of a bastard, really, um, but a great footballer. Um, so to go with Eriksen, who's kind of had a up and down time in Milan, was brave. And it, sort of Sorry. linking back to Spurs. <laughs> the chair. The Thanks chair. for that. I hope that was your chair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that AC Milan didn't really show up. I just think that Inter completely outplayed them. And four point clear at the top of Serie A. Uh, I fancy them. to, And this is the first time that the two Milan clubs were facing off as the top two in Italy since April 2011. So almost 10 years since those two were the top two. In Italy, and uh, it was a, a cracking game, a cracking win for it. Now. It was very good. Uh, kind of put my article in the mud a little bit, but pleasing. Same happened to yours, though. Oh, we're, are we plugging everything now? <laughs> <laughs> Plug Central, mate. There's so much going on. Right, I'll be right back. <laughs> There's so much content going on. It's it's ridiculous. Sean, I've just seen your Snapchat story. That's quite funny. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, want to say, I want to say how much I like Latour Martinez. I feel like he's fantastic, isn't like he? Lukaku gets the, so like the he's one of the best strikers in the world, which is very true. But absolutely, the two of them is a partnership. We don't see partnerships in football up front as much as you used to, and 
I think it's great to see a proper partnership between the two of them. Both have contributed massively in the winning league. That is like probably McLaren and the young god Nico Barella in centre midfield. That that kind of three for me are the standout for that Inter Milan team. Like it's actually, I enjoy watching them play too. They're, they're, they're a fun side to watch as well. It's been a good side. Lovely stuff, Graham. Yes. Would you like to speak about Germany? Yes, let's talk about Germany because we have a fucking title race in the Bundesliga again, Jim. Woo! I think I wrote it off a couple of weeks ago. I think Bayern had the chance to go 10 points clear. But since coming back from the Club World Cup, they drew 3-3 in the snow at home to Arminia Bielefeld. And then they lost 2-1 to inform Frankfurt on mm-hmm. on Saturday. And an absolute cracking goal in that game from uh, Yunez. I think it's Amin Yunez. I don't want to make up a name yet. I mean, you know, an I know that. Oh, yeah, Who scored like an absolute thunder bastard into the top right hand corner? I love that word. I and love that description. It was a, it was a great performance from Frankfurt. They really put the game away early. They started absolutely on fire. Two goals very early on, and although Bayern really did put pressure on towards the end of the game, there wasn't a massive amount of chances for like clear cut chances for Bayern, and Frankfurt were well worth their weight in gold. It was strange though, I and mean, then I think when you look at Frankfurt, one of their main dangers is Philip Kostic. I mean, it's not a danger for Serbia, of course, we all know that. Ha! But for Frankfurt, it's been really dangerous. And then Bayern put Nicolas Sula right back on Saturday, which I found a very interesting. Decision. I mean, Sula seems to me, of all the Bayern kind of centre backs, probably the least mobile, probably the, the one that would be least suited to play on the right hand yeah, side. Absolutely. And Kostic set up the first goal, and the second goal was on that side too. So I'm a bit confused by that. Bayern just don't aren't, don't seem to be themselves at, at the moment. I think that shows in like, the odds for the Champions League. They're no longer the favourites for that. And Leipzig really are on their tails because Leipzig won, won comfortably against Hertha Berlin yesterday. Mm. What a and goal Marshall, it was from Savitzer. And Marshall's well. a, bit, a bit so that's what he does. He just scores screamers. Yeah. He's like the screamer king. He's like Philippe Coutinho. At Liverpool, Philippe Coutinho. That's who I'd compare him to. And Ryan Stevenson played at air as well. I'll just mm-hmm. throw that in there to relate it back to Scottish. I have, le- I, have, I have less recollection of that myself, but yeah. Two-point gap between Leipzig and Bayern Munich. It's, it's on, because Bayern still have to go and play Leipzig in Leipzig. They do, they do indeed. Struan, what would you like to talk about in Last Ditch Challenge this week? Um, can I have France? You can talk about France, mate. Well, what's been going on in France? Well, PSG lost again at the weekend. 2 0 Monaco. Yep, and... Also, of course, they're in a tight race. Monaco are now right in it. So you've got Lille, who are sat on top. They've, this has all played the same amount of games on 58 points. You've got Lyon on 55. You've got PSG on 54. And you've got Monaco on 52. Tremendous. So I think there's a four-horse race at the moment in France, which Beautiful. I think is very entertaining. And I, personally, I just want anybody to go at PSG to win that, if I'm, if I'm being honest. But mm-hmm. I think it's a bit um, interesting that given PSG dispatched Barcelona fairly comfortably in the league, to then uh, in the Champions League, sorry, in a four-one, to then go and lose at the weekend, I think, very interesting. Very interesting. And I pay attention to the to the French league. It gets a lot of stick, but I think it'll be very entertaining, yeah. especially come to the close of the season. No, definitely, I agree with that. I, I think as well, Pochettino. I was going to say, I think now Pochettino has made, in terms of the game played, uh, games played, the worst start uh, of any PSG manager in the current ownership, which is pretty incredible. That is pretty incredible, to be fair. Yeah. I look at France, I'm looking at the table right now, and it seems to me as if the league table that has most been affected by the coronavirus, both Lyon and Monaco, aren't playing European football this year. So, and they're both next to PS, PSG. Um, Lyon, of course, are in the Europa League, but they've got two, three games against Celtic. 
that he just basically rest. <laughs> so and Leon were Leon, Leon was very striker. They did. They did. Yeah. Um, they were very angry about that decision because obviously the league league season was one of the ones that just stopped rather than coming back after lockdown. And yes, Leon were in seventh at that point, but. They were starting to turn things around. Obviously, they got to a, a semi-final as well. Yeah, in the Champions League, so they were there were signs that they they could have turned it around, um, and they were kind of bemoaning that decision. But if it ends up with a, a league on title, I guess they'll be all right with it. That's six defeats in twenty-six games for Paris Saint-Germain, and Neymar's not back for a few weeks as well. That's, I mean, that's that's unheard of. Really? I think we all expect them to still win the league. I don't think anyone's going to pick against them still. But do you think they'll prioritise Champions League now though? What does prioritism look like for PSG though? Because they shouldn't necessarily have to prioritize. Like, mm, they should be able to still take it fairly lightly in Liga. And I think yeah. that's why like Man City are probably now one of like one of the reasons Man City are now the favourites is because the Premier League probably will be wrapped up around the time of the quarters and semi-finals of the Champions League to the point where they can just rest players in the league. Mm. I don't know if PSG will necessarily have that luxury. We were sure extra time in the same lot waxing lyrical about Mbappe. But if you read, like, if you listen to French kind of specialist journalists, Mbappe's not had kind of the his best season at all. I mean, he's got he's got the stats. He's, got, he's the top goalscorer in the league, I think. But he's not having the exact season you'd expect from Mbappe. He's not completely dominating or taking over. And with Neymar out, that's just definitely shown. There's quite a big drop off in that front line, isn't there? When they're out, and then I mean last. Season, it was Chupa Moting who came in, and then I think, and with Di Maria, I think it's also out at the moment. Yes, yeah. And then I think it's just sort of a mixture. I mean, Sarabia comes in at times as well, and Moise Kane has been quite good this season, to be fair. Mm-hmm. He's kind of surprised a lot of people in this move. Uh, is there anything else we want to discuss before we kind of have a wee chat about the Champions League games coming up? España. Did we talk about Spain? No, we didn't, Sean. You give us Spain because you like Atletico Madrid. I do like Atletico Madrid and they're making me like them less because <laughs> they are not winning now. Um, so that's f- three games of the last four where Atletico Madrid have dropped points. Uh, twice to Levante on Wednesday, they drew one all with them. And uh, on Saturday, yes, um, they lost to them. It's the first time that Levante have ever won away at Atletico Madrid in La Liga. It's the first home defeat for Atletico Madrid this season and it's just opened up that title race where you looked at the points Atletico Madrid had ahead and the games in hand they had over the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona and Sevilla and you thought they really are just going to kick on now but the kind of a few drop points and like I said the last few games not picking up maximum points has meant that it's now an open title race again I mean Atletico are still the favourites on points they're three points clear Real with a game in hand but Madrid Derby is, I believe, on the 6th of March, 7th of March, soon in March. So um, that'll be a massive, massive game, considering before this weekend, Atletico Madrid's only previous defeat in the league had been at the hands of Los Blancos. Los Blancos, absolutely. I'm, I'm just intrigued because... I think the European like, football show okay. are shitting themselves. Why do you think that is, Sean? You think so? Just because I think this has been such a good segment for us. I think that... Um, I've been who have I've been James Horncastle and Alvaro Romero uh, Alvaro Romero Alvaro Romero during got this podcast we had Struan being Julian Laurent mm-hmm. and um, Graham was Raphael Hornigstein so there you go and I'm fun. just a spare prick that, that would make you James Richardson but no what were you saying Graham? 
It was crazy to me that Atletico haven't kept a clean sheet. Oh, sorry, they kept one clean sheet in the, into- the whole of 2021 so far. That's mad. That's so not... Seven games in a row, they haven't kept a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. They'll keep one on Tuesday night. It's a nice, it's a nice easy segue there for you, Jack. It is, and it's a nice easy segue because I truly believe that they will keep a clean sheet on Tuesday night as they take on oh. Chelsea in this week's round of 16 Champions League fixtures. Uh, four to four to pick from over two nights. Uh, you've got Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, Atletico, and Lazio. Chelsea. Chelsea. I was just Chelsea. so so Spanish. Europe, Europe, Europe. See all the teams with an answer. I did it again. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Atletico. There we go. Atletico. Atletico. And Lazio Bayern on Tuesday night. And then Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Manchester City. And Real versus Atalanta on Wednesday night. Chelsea Atletico is probably the highest profile game out the lot, you would you would argue. Uh, probably going to be the kind of hardest fought game, I would imagine. Atletico are coming into this one, missing a few key players, Hector Herrera. Uh, Yannick Carrasco and Jose Maria Jimenez are all missing out. <laughs> I'm just so Spanish, mate. No, I appreciate it. I don't know. I didn't mean to laugh. I just did. <laughs> Thanks. I <laughs> uh, and Chelsea are and still still in the kind of transition. They're still not on full cylinders under Tuchel like they kind of stuttered to a one-all draw against Southampton, where again they saw most of the ball but did nothing with their chances. Uh, aside from the Mason Mount penalty, uh, Sean, how do you see Atletico coming into it? I suppose, like, because as the expert on the Rocky Blancos, I think is did I, if that's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that's right. Don't ask me. You're the one who dropped out of uni doing Spanish, so you obviously <laughs> know better than me. I was just a, a, a you're year the one that impersonates a Spanish person more than anyone else on this podcast. I just think it's good to respect and uh, give. It, I'm I'm the, like Derek Gray. I just think we should pronounce people's names. Properly, I'm Bruno Fernandes. Um, what you mean, but, Bruno Fernandes? Fernandes. Yeah, that, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> completely eradicated that point. Very good. I'm a hypocrite. Um, I think the Atletico will approach. Where is it? Is that the uh, wonder? <laughs> Somewhere in Europe. I think that. Uh, yeah, that's actually a good question because it may not have even been um, considering there's these. Uh, uh, but I think that Atletico will know that Chelsea defensively are still aren't fantastic. I think no. that Luis Suarez will be sniffing around there. Um, and I think they'll know that he could bully some of the centre-halves back there. Luis Suarez but, against Christensen actually gives me nightmares. Like I'm not looking forward to watching that at all. Yeah, that won't be fun. Actually, do, um, I, watch, do I watch this game over Dundee Air? Probably not. Because I just know that Dun- Dundee well, is in worst form. So, yeah. I, well, I think, yeah, it will be. That's disappointing. Uh, no, I never, there's another difference between the kickoffs. Is there? Oh, good. Yeah, you're 7 o'clock for your mighty honest Ben. Yes. I should get to see a bit of my first half and then catch Chelsea. That's good. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think this is the game that Atletico get their clean sheet record back on track. I can't really see it because I think that really? Chelsea have been decent going forward. And, and I know they won't be able to dominate the ball like they have done over, the, over most of uh, Tuchel's period so far. But I think that you've just got players who could hurt Atletico. Players who Theoretically, should hurt Atletico more than the players they come up against week on week in La Liga. So, mm. um, I can see Chelsea getting a goal in this game, and it could be a vital away goal. But I still think that Atletico Madrid will just edge this tie. But it's much, much tighter than when a month ago, when Atletico were romping to La Liga and Chelsea were floundering under Frank. 
I like that floundering underfoot. That's good. Good alliteration there, mate. That, that's Thanks. It's just, see, I didn't even mean to do it. It's oh, yeah, of course not. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't your word choice at all. No, I've been thinking about it for ages. Um, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I feel like just coming into any game with Chelsea at the moment, I'm just not confident. Just And that's based on early season form. That's Can not... I just say this? I don't think I've said this before, but I got Mason Mount so wrong. That boy is a ball. I love him. And I, I didn't get it before. Like, last season... I mean, I was decent at Derby. Um, I didn't get it. I, th- I remember when you told me your Chelsea team for this season, I was like, Mason Mount? Why? When you've got all yeah, that fantastic true, attack like Pulisic and Havertz and uh, Ziyech and Kovacic just played the season last year, Kante, mm. Jorginho. I just didn't see where Mason Mount got into that team. But he's probably Chelsea's player of the season. I think he's been fantastic. Um, and I think that he has to start for uh, Chelsea pretty much every week. I think a lot of people kind of muddled their... Uh opinion on Mason Mount purely for the fact that just the Lampard link of it all, like he took him on loan at Derby, mm. then just seemed to not drop him once even when he had a bad game uh, in his first season, but now that he's kind of, he, he started playing well when the whole team wasn't under kind of the end of Frank's tenure and now under Tuchel, like people are just being able to say, right, okay, fair enough, he's actually a really good player and and it's just quite nice because I, I felt like I was kind of quite early on to the Mason Mount uh, kind of bus I suppose if we're going by Taylor's kind of mode of transport for getting behind players mountain that's not a mode of transport son no but you're like sitting there, like you're on the mountain I'm like, on the mountain like, bike there you yeah. go <laughs> shocking <laughs> <laughs> uh, aye so it's just it's been nice to see him get a bit more credit let's talk about other Champions League games because it's more than just Atletico Chelsea I think Lazio Bayern could be interesting yeah, because I, I like Chiro and Mobley I, I think it's another week where the two best ties are on the same day for me do you reckon yeah, it's for me because Lazio have been in fantastic form. We mentioned them a couple of weeks ago, and they just they all sent Inter Milan not long after that. But they've been playing really well, and it's more I'm inter- more interesting to see with Bayern. Mm. I feel like there's still a chance, that even though their league form is a bit patchy at the moment, that last season's Champions League Bayern could still show up, and that team is scintillating yeah. to watch. It's like such an exciting team. So I feel like this one's got like the lowest four of all four ties. Because it's either going to be a great game between with the Bayern side that aren't as good as they were last season, or just a Bayern masterclass, which is also exciting to watch. So for me, looking at the four ties, like the four ties, I think that's the, I think Chelsea, I think was the most interesting one. I think Lazio Bayern for me is the one I'll be, I would have been watching if it was on a Wednesday, but unfortunately mm. not. I think that that Bayern midfield just completely outruns the Lazio one. I think mm-hmm. if you Possibly. look at uh, the legs in there. I just think that Joshua yeah. Kimmich has probably been the best. Uh, Ilka Gundogan, one of the best central midfielders in the world this se- this season, and uh, Leon Goretzka obviously is just a powerhouse in there. So mm-hmm. I think the likes of Lucas Leiva, yeah, I think mean, Savic is is a bit more. Yeah, he's not going to the Euros. So others, but true, Andrea he's not Pereira. going to the Euros. <coughs> um, oh, shut up, Andrea Pereira! No, no, we're not giving him any, any sort of airtime on this show, Strud. Stop that behaviour. Stop it, Strun. Okay. You know what? We'll come to you though because I want to hear your thoughts on Manchester Manchester City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. This is the most unwatchable game of the four, regardless of what we think <laughs> is the most watchable. This is just it's just absolutely no point. If if Man City don't score at least about two, I mean, like Mönchengladbach, wow, such a massive uh, number. Wow, two goals. <laughs> Do you know the bad thing about that? Was I was just about to say a high number and then I thought Man City aren't actually free-scoring this season. They're just holding the ball basically for 90 minutes. But Bayern uh, Munich and Gladbach, Borussia Munich and Gladbach, oh my gosh. <laughs> <Borussia Mönchengladbach. laughs> Wait, your lack of lunch is killing me here. 
honestly, <laughs> they're in such a bad way at the moment. Recent results, especially of course the manager is going to be taken over at Dortmund. That's definitely not great to come out just before a crucial Champions League tie. Man City look pretty much unstoppable at the moment. I, I really enjoyed watching Gladbach in the group stages. I thought they, were, they just went at teams, the likes of Inter Milan and um, Shakhtar Real Madrid. I thought that was good, but this is just... I just don't really think it's going to be an interesting tie team. I don't think Man City are that, that exciting team to watch. I mean, they're the best team in Europe, I think, at the moment, but they're just not that fun to watch because they just hold on to the ball. And obviously, that's a great thing to do, but I just find them boring. I think I think Atalanta Real Madrid will be a great game. I think Atalanta are just such a such a watchable team. I would, I would definitely mm. recommend picking that as the as the kickoff on Wednesday night Champions League action. There's also Spurs and um, Wolfsburg or Europa League on Wednesday, but was that a Wednesday game? That, yeah, it's a weird one. Well, I've heard that uh, probably. Yeah. That kind of seems open and shut already. I think I've, I've predicted Man City to win the Champions League, but I think this is just you one did. of those games in, in the um, of the sixteen that's just point to watch hopefully they get a better draw in the next round I Wrong feel bad show, to be honest but my big shout is that Borussia Mönchengladbach get through this tie I feel bad because I thought what? like oh, Mönchengladbach what? were going to be a bit of a dark horse in this competition to be honest because they performed really kind of above what a lot of people were expecting of them in the group stages and then they Why just get we... slapped with a city tie it's, it's not It's not been ideal can you just say things like that, Sean, and not say why? I did jump in, to be fair. I didn't let him expand. So, so what, why is like that? It's just Sean. Sort of, um, I think it'll happen because I want it to happen. Okay. And I'm positive. No, um, I just don't know. I just think Man City have this sort of psychological thing. I think that when everything's going so, so well, I don't really see it coming unstuck in the Premier League. But I think that... Uh, I don't know, you've got players like Turam and player who could just get in behind that Man City defence, yeah. could bully them a little bit and I don't know, it's going to be one of those ones where John Stone's been pretty much immaculate uh, these past few months and he just tries to do a wee Cruyff turn and gets gets pinched and then they're through and go and then they just can't break down Gladbach. I can just see it, I can see it now. You visit it in a few weeks and will laugh at me when they win 5 now. <laughs> it could be another classic Pep Champions League game to be fair where Gundogan plays at left back or something like that. Yeah, please. He, he tries a Leon experiment again and just gets it. Hung he brings, right. he brings Aguero back into the back I, three. I fancy it. I shouldn't do a job up front, I'll be honest. Yeah, true. Yeah, actually. to be fair, yeah, I can see oh, okay, it. Uh, do we want to talk about Atalanta versus uh, Real Madrid? Let's just hope Real go out. I think they're another one of those teams who they're not a very good side at the moment, but they're probably going to end up with a couple of trophies. Like They could yeah. end up winning the Liga and the Champions League. So, um, yeah, they're missing a lot of players at the moment. Uh, Real Madrid so um, that gives Atalanta a bit more a chance but it's just it's Real Madrid in the Champions League under Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane it's just it seems inevitable that they'll be there towards the end yeah and they've won enough times just give somebody else a shot that's, that's, what, yeah. I, that's what I say what? give someone else a go yeah that, that, that's the sentiment we're going to end this episode on uh, we're going to yeah. finally let Struan go and get some food because he's been starving since <laughs> since we started recording. Uh, that is going to be all from us this week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup. Be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our content coming out of the sports website because it's been fantastic so far this year and we're only going to keep getting better uh, thank you very much to Struan, Graham and Sean for joining me today make sure to check out Extra Time on Thursday and the Fancy Ramble later in the week where they're going to be discussing a double game week in the Premier League which is going to be really fun because we all Who love cares? the Premier League <laughs> I'm being sarcastic Europe, Europe. <laughs> until we see you next I've been Jack Donnelly this has been the Football Roundup thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>